Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. We had a wonderful time last week, Shannon and I, preaching revival uh, at Faith Church. And uh, God did some great things. Um, We actually uh, saw some miracles in the service that uh, only the Lord can do. And you know, my prayer has been this week, Lord, don't just do it there, do it here this morning in this house. Amen? Let me say, I'd like to see God do amazing things, mighty acts of God. Let me tell you, he hasn't, done, he hasn't retired from that business. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. And His power has not been limited or He has not ceased. And so this morning I'm going to preach that message that I preached last week at Faith Church. I'm going to preach it here because I just felt the Lord leading me. And it goes along with our series upgrade. I want you to say this with me. There is a better version of me. Not talking about me. I'm talking about you. There is a better. Tell somebody that you're next to say there is a better version of me. Sam, tell her right now. Tell her right now. Yeah, you were drinking coffee. There is a better version of me. There is a better version of you. There's a better version of me. We have to be upgraded from heaven. We need a constant download into our life. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about kingdom living. Today, I want to, I want to just bring to you a subject called, about, called kingdom thinking. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to begin in verse 1 there. And it's going to be pretty fast today because I've got a lot I want to cover But I just want the Holy Spirit to just do what He wants to do in the service. And when He's done, then I'm done. Amen? Is that a good deal? When He's done, I'm done. So listen fast. Put your seatbelts on. Buckle up. It's kind of like I heard about a couple of, or a car full of little old ladies. That they were on their way to church this morning and they were driving down I-35. Got pulled over. Up here just, just, uh, just north of Denton. Got pulled over. Highway Patrol said, ma'am, do you know how fast you were driving? She said, well, I'm not sure. She said, he said, ma'am, you were driving 35 miles an hour on this freeway. She said, well, that's what the sign said, 35. He said, ma'am, that's not the speed limit sign. That's the highway sign. He said, I got another question for you, ma'am. Why are these other little ladies back here look like their faces have been scared to death? She said, well, we just turned off of Highway 156. (laughs) Moving a little quick. So I want you to be fast with me today. Listen fast. Put your seatbelts on. We're going to be talking to you really quick. All right? Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Scripture says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But Notice this phrase, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, anoint your word today. Redemption in our lives always begins with our heart. The work of redemption that 
that the Father began so long ago, even before the foundations of the earth were laid, always begins in our heart. As a matter of fact, you can see it in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says, And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone, and I will replace it with a heart of flesh. When you come to the Lord, when, when you come to the Father, He begins His redemptive work in you by repairing your heart and restoring you into right relationship with Him. That's what we call salvation. Salvation begins in the heart. It begins in the context of our consciousness, our will, our understanding, our desires. And He transforms us into be a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says what? It says, if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. All things are gone. New things are here present. Because the Lord transforms us into something that we previously were not. And that begins, that redemptive work begins in our heart. But let me just say this. Redemption does not end there. As Paul says in Romans chapter 12 in our text that we read, it continues on into our mind. Redeeming, redeeming you and I starts in the heart but continues in our mind. And when you are redeemed, you are wholly transformed. How many of you know when you came to Jesus that He totally transforms your life? You're a new creation inside and out, but He did not forget about your thinking in your mind. And that's the subject I want to just be, bring to your attention this morning. This is something that the Lord has just been pouring into me over the last month or so. You see, God doesn't just want to renew your, your heart. He wants to recreate your mind. He wants to recreate your thinking. And that's the reason why a lot of people fail to live in a supernatural overcoming life is because they have yet to allow God to continue to renew their mind and be transformed in their mind. Now that all happens through an act we call repentance. Repentance is what? Repentance is when we move 180 degrees. We go a completely different direction. In your heart, your desires change. Your will changes. You don't do what you used to do. Repentance could be said like this. Everything I used to do before Jesus, I now do the opposite. I'm going a different way. You can't know the Lord unless there is repentance. You cannot claim to be a Christian, are you listening, unless there has been repentance. Which means you can't claim to be a Christian and not have changed. Maybe I could say that over here. You cannot claim to be a Christian if your life has not changed. Your words, your actions, your thinking has to change. That's what it means to come to Christ. Your heart changes, your mind changes, but here's what happens. Many Christians repent enough to be forgiven of their sins, but they don't repent enough to see the kingdom of God. Because their thinking has yet to change. Our minds have to be transformed. And the only way that is done is through what Paul says, the renewing of our mind. 
Our mind has to be completely renewed. Why is this renewed mind so important? Paul answers that question when he says, in order for you then, you will be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You cannot know God's will in your life or anywhere else in the world unless you have renewed your mind into kingdom thinking. You have to repent from your old way of thinking and you think completely differently. And you say, Pastor, where does that come from? Well, I'll take you back to what I reviewed with you a couple of weeks ago. In the middle of the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you find something that is very, very important. It is the climax of, of all everything that's surrounded. Those three chapters meet in the middle in, in Matthew chapter 6 in what we, are, we know as the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 10, the Scripture says this. Jesus encourages us to pray, and He says, pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then what's the next? On earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying? He's saying, Lord, this is a key to your will. He makes it very clear. What is God's will for us? That his kingdom would come. That his will would be done. What's his will? On earth as it is in heaven. Anything that does not mirror His kingdom is inferior. Any thinking that does not, that does not mirror what is happening in heaven is an inferior thought. You see, God's desire is that our minds become so renewed that we begin to think the way heaven is reality. The reality of heaven is what God wants us to see on earth. Some of you are looking at me like, please explain. We have to change the way we think. Many of us that have been Christians for a long time, we are crippled in our minds. We are crippled in our minds. We walk around and we see life in the wrong reality. We look at problems. We look at things and situations that we face. We look at issues in our family. We look at at things that we face in our own life, not through the lens that God is seeing it, but we look at it through a worldly and earthly lens. And Paul says, the only way that transformation comes is your mind must be renewed. And when your mind is renewed, then you can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. His will, that kingdom, would come. His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, getting you to heaven is not hard. The Lord could get you to heaven anytime. Do you know that? 
your heart could stop right now. You might not make it home. He could get you to heaven as a believer anytime. His challenge is to try to get heaven into you. Getting you to heaven is the easy part. Getting heaven into you. Getting heaven onto earth into you. That's the challenge. It's not challenging for him. It's challenging for us. Why? Because right here, our mind is not being renewed. We must renew our thinking. We must become uh, under the umbrella of the kingdom and see the kingdom, see the world, our reality through the eyes of the kingdom. That's his commission. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the commission. It supersedes every other commission that we have ever seen in the scriptures to lay our hands upon the sick, to heal the sick, to deliver, to, to preach the gospel. Everything is subservient to that whole idea. That is the great, greatest commission is for heaven to earth. And here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to illustrate that through several passages of Scripture. I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 4. There's a series of experiences that the Lord leads His disciples through in order to teach them this very principle. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus didn't do all of the miracles that He did so that He could practice. Jesus didn't need the practice, right? He didn't need to practice on the loaves or the fishes so that He could do seven loaves later. He didn't need to to practice riding in a boat so that He could walk on water later. Jesus didn't need the practice to do the miraculous. Jesus used every miraculous supernatural event that He ever did in order to teach us something that's very, very important. And it's this very principle that I'm trying to bring to you today is that He wants His will to be done on heaven, in heaven as it is on earth. So in Matthew chapter 4, you're going to see this story. And to a casual, and to a casual reader, you're going to see that uh, it's just de- Jesus doing a miracle. But to a closer look, if you look at it closely, you're going to see some things that are very, very important that illustrate this point. Matthew chapter 4, verse 35 says this. And that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Pretty convinced that that's what was going to happen, right? Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, Quiet, be still. When the wind died down, it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, to a casual reader, you look at this story, you understand several things. Number one, you understand that the disciples are not good swimmers. They're scared to die. The boat's being filled with water. What do they do? They run to Jesus. They wake Him up. Jesus calms the storm. End of story. That's a casual reading. But a closer look, what you see is you see these high winds that have come across 
the, the lake and they are rowing. They're straining at the oars. Water is flowing over the sides of the boat. They're bailing it out. They're rowing. And then finally, they what do they do? They approach Jesus who is asleep this whole time. They come and they enter into a dialogue with Jesus. What do we call a dialogue with Jesus? Yeah. See, a closer reading will let you see. They come to him with a petition. They come with a request. They enter into prayer, what we would call prayer. And they say, Lord, we're about to die. You got to fix this. You got to come do something about this. You got to you got to you got to solve the storm that's going on in our lives. We are not going to make it to the other side. What had Jesus said in the very first verse? What did he say in verse 35? They're going to the other side. Jesus then scolds his disciples and he asks them this question, "Look, fellas, why are you so afraid?" What happened to your faith? Where's all this faith? I've already said we're going to the other side. What happened, guys, between the shore and the storm? What's happened? You see, when the Lord trains us to live in faith and to live in authority, then He expects us to represent Him when storms come. How many of you would keep your job if you constantly went to your boss's office and knocked on your boss's door and said, hey, would you do this for me? If you were constantly asking your boss to do the thing that he has told you you were responsible to do? How many of you would keep your job? If you're constantly saying, hey, boss, Come do what you told me I was supposed to do. This is what Jesus said. Why do you, where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? I said, we're going to the other side. Jesus is asleep. He's asleep. He's completely out. He, 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 we, we, can, we can ask him. We can petition him. But we don't have the right to change the responsibility that we have. It was Jesus' will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will to go to the other side. But they didn't recognize it. They didn't see it. They didn't see His will. All they saw was the wind. You see, that's a difference in kingdom thinking. And that's what Jesus wanted to see for, for them to understand. Let me just give you a couple other points on that. If you're taking notes, here's one. Jesus is found sleeping in there in the, in the stern of the boat. Here's how we know that Jesus' mind was completely focused on the will of the Father because here's, here's, here's what you need to see, this principle. Any storm that you can sleep through, storm you can speak to. The disciples, they're rowing and they're bailing and they're 
fretting and they're sweating and they're scared that they're going to drown and Jesus is asleep? You know why? Because there was no storm inside. You see, when you have a kingdom mindset, your internal reality determines the external reality. Any storm that you can sleep through, you can speak to, you can direct, you can calm, you can settle, you can, you can put an end to, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus, the one who speaks peace, where did this peace come from? It came from within him. And I said this two weeks ago. If Jesus did all of the miracles that he, was, that he did as the Son of God, then we are nothing but observers. We can, oh, awesome, God, good job. But He didn't. He did them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit as the Son of Man. And He was showing us, just like you and I can do, if you are under the, the, the anointing and full of the Holy Spirit, if He anoints you just as He did on the day of, of, of His baptism, then you can also have this reality that you can speak to the storms of life if there is peace within. Some of you are right now in the middle of a storm. You're fighting that and, and you're, you're wrestling and you're rowing. What you need to do is you need to find that peace on the inside. You need to let your thinking be transformed. Don't look at the wind. Look at the will to get to the other side. Something else I just want to point out in this story is that sometimes the Lord would rather do something through you than for you. Right? Jesus is asleep. Guys, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I was sleeping really well. All you had to do was speak to your storm. So often Jesus wants to use us in things that, that arise in our life because He has given us that authority. We sang that song this morning, Echo. I told Aubrey, I said, I want to sing this song because it matches my message so perfectly. Lord, we echo Your authority. We rely upon Him. We rely upon the fullness of the Spirit, but we echo His authority. All heaven and earth has been given to Him. And He passes on us and says, greater things than these shall you do. I'm giving this to you to speak to your storms through the faith that I have placed in your heart. And act upon that faith. You see, the Lord wants to do something through us rather than always doing something for us. And we say, Lord God, use me in ways that are beyond my ability, beyond my capacity. The, the disciples, they just didn't understand it. And that's why Jesus did what He did. He spoke to the waves. Let me give you another story couple chapters over, Mark chapter 6. Look at this. Mark chapter 6, look at verse 30. The disciples had just come back. He had sent them out. They had had an amazing, amazing journey because he had sent them out to go do the work of the ministry. He said, look, I'm sending you guys. Go do it. And what happens? They do it. They go do it. And they come back and they're like, James, you're not going to believe. Oh, yeah, John, well, I got one better than that. Listen to what happened. Listen to this, guys. 
And they come to Jesus. Look at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Man, they are just giddy. They're excited. Look at what God is doing through us, right? And then, verse 31, because so many people were coming and going that they had not even had a chance to eat. I've been there in ministry. He said to them, come to me. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Well, of course. How many of you know that the, sometimes that serving in ministry is tiring? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's not just physically demanding or emotionally demanding. It's spiritually demanding. So guys, let's go have a vacation. They're like, oh, sweet, let's go, Jesus. Look at verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solid, solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. If I see any of you at my vacation spot, so help me. <laughs> That's why we keep that quiet, all right, on the down low. And when Jesus landed and saw, and saw a large crowd, what happens? He goes into compassion mode. You get needs around Jesus, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to meet those needs. He goes into compassion mode, and the disciples go, so much for vacation, Right? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. And I love this because I can just see them approach Jesus. Lord, we've been having a discussion together. You know, Our hearts have been so moved. Our tired hearts have been so moved by all of these people who are here. And, and, and Lord, this is a remote place. We're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's the solitary place you wanted to go to. Lord, it's already getting really late. These people are starting to get a little hungry. And because our hearts are so filled with compassion for the people, look at verse 36. Send them away. <laughs> Just... Get rid of them so that we can resume our vacation, Lord. So they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, I want you to know this. This is important because we're going to come back to this verse 37. Look at what Jesus says. You give them something to eat. Now, is that a form of a question? No. That is a commission. That is a statement. It's no different than we're going to the other side. It's a command. You give them something to eat. And what happens? The disciples are flabbergasted. They have no money. Even if they did, they don't have any place to buy food. They're confused. They don't know what to do. What does Jesus do? Look, let me show you how to do this. Put everybody in groups. And there was some loaves and that were fishes that were that were come about what happened a miraculous miracle of multiplication jesus shows right there in front of them you give them something to eat 
Move down to verse 45. Look at it with me. And immediately Jesus, is this a question? Made his disciples get into the boat. Did he say, hey guys, you want to go fishing? Hey guys, you want to go for a boat ride? No, he said, he made his disciples get into the boat. It was a command. It was a commission. Hey, you're going to get in the boat. And look what he says. And go ahead to Bethsaida. Guys, go get in the boat. You head to Bethsaida. I'll be there shortly. And while he dismissed the crowd after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus isn't standing on the edge of the shore looking out and seeing the boat. This was a revelation of the Holy Spirit unto him because when you're on the land and a storm is out in the middle of the lake, which is where we're going to find these guys, he doesn't see them physically. He sees them spiritually. It is an understanding. It's a vision of the Spirit. He sees them struggling. He saw, look at verse 48, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. From where he was, he couldn't see that on land. The Holy Spirit gave him that understanding. And because the wind was against them, or because the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, once again, it was dark. How can you see across a large body of water that far out with a storm and be able to see? It was the Holy Spirit that revealed this to him. I'm I'm hoping you're catching this point. Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to to see things that he could not see. Where did he see that? Here. Here. Not with his eyes. He saw it here. He saw it inside before he saw it with his eyes. Are you with me? It was the fourth watch of the night. He went out to them walking on the lake. Now, I want you to notice this important, important phrase here. Listen. He was about to pass them by. What you learned in in Sunday school is that the disciples are about to sink the boat. The wind is coming on. They're straining at the oars. And Jesus takes off running on the water to try to save the boat. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says He was about to pass them by. In other words, Jesus didn't walk on the water to save the boat. He was walking on the water to get to the other side. When they saw Him walking on the lake, they thought He was a ghost. Not only they can't swim, but they're scared of ghosts. All right, They cried out, Because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And he climbed into the boat with them. Notice this. And the wind died down. They were completely amazed. What? What? Now look at verse 52. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Now, wait a second. That's not this story. That's the previous. That's the one we just read. That's the multiplication. That's the. They did not understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. 
Let's look at this real closely. Can I just say that anytime Jesus tells you not to be afraid, there's probably a really good reason to be afraid. They were straining at the oars. The boat has the possibility of sinking. But just as verse 48 says he was going to pass them by, he wasn't coming to save them. He wasn't coming to rescue them. In verse 52, he says, Because their hearts were hardened, they had not understood about the loaves. Go back to verse 37 of chapter 6. What does he say? He gives them a command, and what is it? You give them something to eat. What is it that they not understand about the loaves? And how it connected to Jesus walking on the water about to pass them by, them straining at the, oar, at the, at the oars, but Jesus gets in the boat, the, cor- the, the storm is calmed. Can I ask a question? Did Jesus ever, in these verses between chapter 6, in the beginning of chapter 6 to the end of chapter, did he ever rescind his command, you feed them? No, he never did. He never rescinded that command. Here's where we get to the renewed mind. They couldn't think any way to feed the people, nor did they think there was any way out of the storm because their minds were not completely renewed. Jesus, when he multiplied the loaves, He didn't just throw it up in the air and it landed in people's plates on their laps. Here's what I want you to notice. Here's the important part. I'm going to round it out with this. That miracle of the loaves, what happened was Jesus said, okay, boys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to to have people sit in groups. He gets them all in groups. And they bring the Lord these loaves and these fish. And what happens? Jesus blesses them. He gives 12 baskets, he separates them into those 12 baskets, he puts them in there, he breaks them and puts a piece, whatever, in however much in each basket, and he gives it to his disciples. And then his disciples take those baskets and they begin to hand out the basket, the food, the loaves, and the fish to the people. And the basket was, was bottomless, it just kept... Coming, just more loaves, more fish, more loaves, more fish until everybody has been fed. And then all of a sudden they come back to Jesus and they've got 12 baskets left over. They didn't understand about the loaves. They're on the boat. The storm is is raging around them, but they didn't understand about the loaves. Here's what they didn't understand. The miracle didn't take place in Jesus' hand. It took place in the disciples' hands. He just showed them how. He just had to help them in their thinking. He had to help them to realize that, look, you're going to the other side. I'm going to go ahead and go on by. 
Why? Because he had commissioned them to go to the other side. Oh, this is good, friends. Listen, because whatever you are going through right now, I want you to understand the miracle can be worked out of your hand. Your voice, your authority, your speaking to the mountain and cast it into the sea. Jesus didn't say, hey, call me whenever you see a mountain. Call me whenever there's a storm. He said, just have a little dialogue with me and then you speak to the mountain and cast it into the sea. Some of you need to start speaking to the mountain that's sitting in front of your life. Some of you need to start speaking to the storm and calming the storm through the authority that Jesus has already given you. Understand that the loaves were multiplied in the disciples' hands. Friends, don't live your life short thinking that, that you don't have what it takes or you don't have the authority. You can speak in the name of Jesus and things can happen. Things can change. Things can be delivered in your life because He has given us that authority. Jesus said, look, I'm going to go ahead and go, well, I'll help these. They don't understand. And you know, here's the crazy thing. Kingdom math doesn't work. That's why we have such a hard time thinking about it. And Jesus, in in Mark chapter 8, I don't know if I've got time. Do I have time? There is honesty in the house of God this morning. <laughs> Dear Lord, I don't think the cowboys understand the loaves either. Don't let me get anointed. Talk about this. Stop. Stop right now. I want to get going on that. What does this story of the storm have to do with our minds? Whatever Jesus speaks to, he expects of. There is no question when Jesus speaks. And that's the same attitude that you and I must take. Now, I want you to understand, I am not preaching mind over matter. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not speaking some weird, wacky, name it, claim it gospel. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if our mind is renewed, we will not see the storms or the problem of multiplication. We will not see the lack because we will see through the kingdom's lens and we will understand that we have been given the authority to overcome. One more, Mark chapter 8, look there. Worship team, get ready to come in just a moment. So I want to leave some time for us to pray. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. Now remember at the beginning of this chapter, the multitudes are all fed. Everybody's full. Their bellies are full. They're satisfied. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 13. And then he left them and he got into a boat again and went to the other side. You know, at some point, I'm going to be tired of getting in boats with Jesus because it seems like something always happens, you know? 
the disciples are carrying life jackets around with them back in those days, okay? Look at verse 14. This is what's funny. What had just happened in, in the previous 12 verses? Now they had forgotten to bring bread. Wah, wah. And they only had, look at this, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. <laughs> and then notice how, what Jesus does. Jesus cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? It's almost like Jesus is doing this incredible teaching about the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, and they say, you know, it's probably because we don't have bread. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm not talking about the bread, but let's pretend I was talking about the bread. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not, look at this, perceive, look at that, or understand, what's he talking about? He's talking about thinking. What do they see? The only thing they see is one loaf of bread. Do you not understand? Is your, is your thinking that dull? Come on, fellas. Are your hearts hardened? And he goes on. Having eyes to see? Or having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you, do you, not, do you not get it, guys? It's, it, don't you remember? <laughs> Hadn't been that long ago. We started with five. Wasn't long ago we started with seven. And there was like 5,000 men, 4,000 men. When I broke the five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets? Well, it's almost like Jesus teaching kindergarten. Okay, boys. I broke the five loaves. How many did we have left over? Oh, 12. Yes, good job, John. Great job. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? Oh, Philip, seven. Yes, good job, Philip. Good answer. And then he says, don't you understand? Don't you understand? Don't you perceive? Don't your eyes see? Don't your ears hear? What is he doing? All of these miracles that have taken place are not so Jesus can practice doing incredible things in front of us. And so, Whoa, that's a good one. Wow. He does it so that our minds begin to see the way the kingdom is in heaven so that we can see the kingdom on earth. My kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I just tell you that you should never allow your thinking to start with lack of what's missing. 
you have to begin your thinking with what is possible. Not what is not there. Because kingdom thinking exposes us to something that's completely real in heaven and he wants it to make it real on earth. So I've been working all morning just to get to this. Here's what I want you to see. Our musicians get ready to come after I make this statement. I want you to come. When you are exposed to the divine activity of God, it is for the purpose of transforming how you perceive reality in your own life. It is to see through the eyes of the kingdom. When God does something, it is for you to be able to see and to think differently. The works of God give you a glimpse of heaven so that it can change your approach to life on earth. That's what the Lord wants you to do. Not just change the way you live, but change the way you think, how you look at life, all of the trials, all of the struggles, all of the things that you face, all of the the storms and the mountains or whatever allegory we like to place on top of it, whatever things that that you face. I mean, just looking at the kingdom math, just think about that. When you you have Jesus performing these miracles and he says you can start with less and feed more and end up with extra, how much does it matter how much is in your bank account right now? Come on. If he says I can take less, give you more, and you'll have leftovers, what does it matter how much your job's paying? Because they're not your source. He is your source. On earth as it is in heaven. Is there a lack of supply in heaven? Absolutely not. He supplies all our needs according to His riches where? In glory. By Christ Jesus. Musicians, team, come. The renewed mind is the most effective way to display the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. You have to begin to think differently about your issues and problems and things that you face. We have to think different. That's a kingdom thinking mindset. What I want to do today is I want us just to pray. We're going to pray for miracles. Is that okay? Can we pray for miracles today? For the Lord to display His glory Not so that we can say, oh, nice one, Lord. Good job. Good job. But so that our minds can be transformed so that when we need another one, he can say, you've got authority. Speak to it. Don't let that weigh you down. Don't don't get nervous. Because every person's theology must begin with the goodness of God. That is the root and the cornerstone of everything that God always does. He does everything out of His goodness. Everything that the Lord does will result in good. It may may walk you through a valley, but what His end result and goal is is always good. Can I get an amen? That is your starting position in everything that you do in life is to know that your God always always, always begins with the destiny of good in mind for you. So this morning, as they sing that song, Goodness of God, I want us to stand and we're just going to pray.
just tell you what happened when we did this on last Sunday. There was a lady who came in. She was, had real bad arthritis. Her hands were just, just contorted in a terrible way. She walked in with a cane. But when she left, she didn't have a cane. She was walking out to her car. She said, I haven't felt this good in years. I said, look, this is not just for, for I didn't do anything. It was for this entire church to see the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's close the service in prayer. I know still we're still, it's still not even lunchtime. Some of you guys are still fasting. So, hey, it's all right. Here's, here's my call to you today. Some of you have something going on in your life and you need the Lord to change the way you are thinking about it. And as the Lord begins to change the way you think about it, look out because there may be a miracle that follows right there behind you. He can change the way you look at that mountain and all of a sudden faith doesn't see the mountain. He sees the God who moves the mountain. You're walking through sickness. You don't see the sickness that the doctors have spoken over your life. You see the healing that has come from the great physician. Amen? And you begin to think about it that way. My wife was diagnosed with cancer. Every morning we wake up and we go, we put the helmet of salvation on and we say, Lord, first thing, that's what you told us to do. Guard our minds. We, we, we protect ourselves right here first. I told a guy in the church this week, I said, let me tell you something. The devil loves to attack unguarded crop. Unguarded fields, you've got to get your mind protected. Change the way you think. Let the, let the God of miracles do the rest. Here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to pray extensively with, with every person. I'm going to anoint you with oil just as James chapter 5 says. Then I'm going to let you allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think about what's going on in your life. So if you want that to happen in your life, I want you to move out as they sing this song. Go ahead, Daniel. They sing this song. I want you to move out from where you are. You've got some things you just need God to change. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.